Welcome to Good Business, a launchpad podcast that goes behind the scenes of entrepreneurs who put people, planet and profit at the forefront of their mission. Hi, my name's Chris Edwards and I'm the founder of The Honeycombers, which is a digital media business in Asia. And more recently, the founder of Launchpad, a community of conscious entrepreneurs. I'm super excited to share that this episode was actually recorded live at what is a massive small business retail event in Singapore called the Boutiques Fair. We had a series of chats with founders who are currently scaling conscious and sustainable businesses in Asia, and we've got a lot of learnings to share with you. This is a really special episode for me because it's actually one where I'm a panelist. So I asked my colleague, Angela Neo, who is the Honeycomber's Chief Operating Officer, to be the host on this panel. And I'm joined with Rena, who is the founder of Bub's Mummy. And we dive into really how you can manage a startup, but doing it as a mum, which is even more challenging. Like, how do you do it all? Can you do it all? Was one of the questions that was posed to us. We talk in this session about how you can manage all the demands and also strive, but also commit and be really invested in your kids and being as good a parent as you can. It is a really challenging full plate moment in life when you're running a business and you have, you know, three kids or preteen kids, all with challenges. So I think there's a lot to learn in this episode. Let's get into it. I'm really thrilled actually to be here hosting today. So if you don't know who I am, I'm the CEO at Honeycombers. Uh, Chris and I have had the pleasure of working together for almost seven years now, which has been such a joy. And we've both definitely grown and had challenges as working mums over this last kind of journey of seven years. And I also host our parenting podcast for Honey Kids Asia, which is our parenting site called Growing Pains. And we've been doing that for almost two years now, talking to some fellow parents in the community, also experts. We're here for me to talk about how we do it all as working mums and particularly as entrepreneurs trying to juggle a startup, a new business that's your baby, but when you also have family commitments and children at home. So I'm delighted, as I said, to be joined by Chris, our CEO and founder of Honeycombers and Launchpad, mum of three beautiful children with a lovely husband as well, Jason. And I'm also pleased to be joined by Renan Rao. She's the founder of Bub's Mummy. It's a baby and maternity brand that curates premium Aussie products. It's beautiful stuff. I wish my boys, was, my boys are now 9 and 11, so they've grown out of the toddler phase. But maybe if we could just start by both of you talking us through your journey from your business and also just a little about you. So hi, everyone. My name is Rina. I'm the founder of Bus Mummy. First, I'm a mom of two beautiful girls and a wife <laughs> and a daughter. Many, many roles that I play. So I started Bus Mummy in 20... Late 2020, during the COVID period, uh, we were all home and bored. And I actually just gave birth to my daughter, my first daughter. And I was home and I was feeling like I kind of, I'm starting to lose my identity that I had before I became a parent. And I didn't have a job because we just moved back to Singapore after probably about almost a decade away. So then I started Bats Mommy because I thought I should do something for myself. And I've always wanted to start a business and this is the time to do so. And the story continues. <laughs> so, Chris, I, I know a little about your family life, but not everyone in the room does. So, tell us what's a week in the life of the Chris Edwards household. <laughs> Woo, 
Hi, everyone. Lovely to be here. It's so nice to be a guest as opposed to the host. So I really appreciate Ange taking on the hosting duties. So as Ange said, I have three kids. They're 14, 12 and 9. And I actually started Honeycombers 15 years ago and I started it in, uh, I think it was November, and then I found out I was pregnant with my first baby in December. And I kind of thought, oh, my God, this is both terrifying and perfect at the same time because I was thinking it's actually kind of great to be your own boss when you're a parent, but also very sad that I was not going to get any paid maternity leave. (laughs) So, yeah, a week in my life. I live in Australia. My team is all in Asia. So I generally have a week where I try not to sit at the computer until about 11 o'clock each day. And then I work at the desk from 11 till about 6. And now my husband has no longer works and he's on the kids. So he's kind of the, the parent of the house. And then, yeah, I try and pull myself away from the computer at 6 o'clock, which is hard because that's actually three o'clock Singapore time. So you can imagine my team's still working for another three hours. So, you know, I still get pinged and emails and messages from six till nine. But I know now if I don't stop work at six, I don't sleep very well. So I actually need time to decompress and try and get my mind to relax and not be in go mode. Otherwise, I just do not sleep. So it's taken me a long time to learn that. But yeah, that is a very long answer to a short question. And Rena, maybe just tell us a little more in terms of your business. We're only in year three, if I can do my math, on where we are in 2023. Yeah, what's it like for you at the moment? Is it just you running the business? Are we still in those kind of, we were having a chat before about having some pivots since you started the business. So maybe just tell us where you're at at the moment in terms of that. So right now, 2020, so maybe just a quick brief on like what the business is all about. So 2020, you know, it was during the COVID. There wasn't any baby fair. There wasn't any community, really, because everyone was just at home. And I was struggling with diaper leaks. So my baby kept wetting the bed. The diaper was always all wet. and was leaking. I was like really buying bags and bags of different diaper brands to try. And they all don't fit. And then finally one, one managed to, you know, go through it. But like I was left with all these diapers at home. And I thought, there could be a better way. Where, where are all the samples? There was no samples around because it was COVID. So I started to sell diaper kits where I put different diaper brands in a bag and I sell it to someone and I thought no one would buy it and eventually people start buying it. So then I realized this was a need in the market and that's how I started the business. And then COVID kind of ended and then, you know, no one really needs diaper samples anymore because companies are giving out diaper samples and I decided to pivot the business. And my husband is Japanese-Australian, and I love Australia (laughs) for the culture and the lifestyle. (laughs) Yeah. And I decided to look at any nice Aussie brands in the market, and I found a really nice brand called Oi Oi. They do diaper bags, and they are the most beautiful diaper bags I've ever seen in in the market, really. You should go up. We are at level three, by the way. And I started to bring them in and the the results were really good. And I started to have a chat with them and became the exclusive distributor of Oi Oi. So I've been distributing Oi Oi for about a year now and that's where the business is at. So Rena, what strategies are you putting in place to manage, you know, two little kids, two beautiful little girls, but also this new business that I'm sure needs a lot of your time and focus, right? Yeah, so... 
on some days I'm not managing at all. This is like really from the bottom of my heart. I think a lot of mothers can relate. Some days we just cannot manage it. But I think it's very important that earlier on in the business, I put in some processes and systems in place. So even when days are really busy, I know that this is what I'm supposed to do because there's a proper system. And also having a very strong support system at home. So your husband, like right now, my husband is taking care of two kids. <laughs> my mom helps out whenever she can. Sometimes my friends would bring their kids over for playmates. And I can, I can have a break and, you know, do work a little bit. For me, you know, early on, I decided that I would have to send my kids to daycare because I cannot imagine myself being a stay-at-home mom. I don't know if you can relate. <laughs> so, so I send them to daycare and during the day, I can manage the household chores. I can do my work and then when they sleep at night, I can do my work again. But I try not to do too much because family is priority for me. Yeah. I'm interested. We have just over 30 employees at Honeycombers. And Chris, you have three kids and our problems with our kids seem to get bigger as they get older. They need us less, but their issues we need to be present for and they're more complex. It's not like a, you know, here's your snack. Now you can watch Thomas the Tank Engine while I get some work done. That they demand that attention. So how are you juggling that? Because Jason's amazing. I've met um, Chris's husband, but sometimes they want their mom. So how do you juggle that when you and I are on a call because the fire's started somewhere and it needs our attention. Getting teary. Teary with that question. Yeah, it's very interesting actually because I think someone once said to me, having kids is a really big journey and when they're little, it doesn't really matter who is feeding them their food or changing their nappy. Like it's, they won't actually remember and that is truth, right? But they need to, you know, you, you definitely want to make time for them. But the time that I feel like it really does count is when they start becoming little people. And so at the minute, and this is a complete overshare, I've got one child that suffers from really bad anxiety. I've got another child who's got a personality like a bulldozer and he's just decided he wants to go to boarding school. And then I have another child who's decided to repeat and is neurodiverse. So my plate is so full on the heavy lifting of parenting it requires your mental focus, but it doesn't require hours of time. It just, it requires you to be aware of what they need and when you're with them to be really with them. So to to make sure that you're not multitasking when you're parenting and just thinking deeply about what they need and what you can do as a parent to help serve them. And I'm not a counsellor, but I call in the experts and I'm there for the pre and post counselling session to prep them up as to what they might want to share and then afterwards, you know, to help them process what they've heard. So it's a lot more emotional intelligence and it's actually quite similar to managing staff. Like it's using this EQ of thinking about what do they need, what are they not telling me, what am I? What can I read from their face. So I do think actually being a parent makes you a better boss and being a boss makes you a better parent. So I think it is very complementary. But yeah, I definitely think the later years, they need you a lot more than the earlier years. Thanks, Chris. So there's this wonderful woman in Australia called Quinton Bryce, and she had five children. She was a lawyer, and then she became the first female Governor General of Australia. And um, she said, she was asked this question, which I'm going to ask both of you, which was, can women have it all? Can they be mothers and have careers? And she said, yes, darling, but not all at once. 
And some people really resonated with that and they said yes. And then other feminists actually got quite cross about that because we should be able to have it all, right? So, Chris, can working parents, working mums have it all? And what do you feel about that? I don't know is the answer. I mean, I took three years out. So, I left, effectively stepped out of my business for three years when my youngest was one. And I had the luxury of we were able to afford a general manager. And so I did that because I didn't want to have any regrets about not being there. And do you know what's really interesting? When I fell pregnant with my third child, I remember it really clearly. We were so busy at Honeycombers. It was growing so quickly. And I remember my editor at Honeycombers just going, you're what? Like, how are you going to do this? And have you not thought about the team? And but I, I was at the mindset, I don't want to not have my third baby because of work, you know, like I don't want to go to the grave going, God, I really wish I didn't work so much and had more children, you know. So it was really interesting the, what you go through in your head. But I don't know, the short answer is probably not. Probably you can't have it all at once. And I know that when I was really busy with young kids and a really rapidly growing business, I didn't exercise and I didn't eat that well. That's what I gave up. Do I regret it? No. You know, like I've got time for that now. But yeah, I think there's definitely times in your life where you do get super busy. But as long as you're happy and have purpose and yeah, there's a a really good analogy of um, having four burners as a woman in your life. So, and I, I don't like the fact that it's a kitchen stovetop that's the analogy, but the burners are work, family, health, and can't remember what I'm missing one, but there's the story is is that you can't have all your four burners burning at once. You have to turn something off to be able to be really good at it. And they actually say you have to turn two off to be incredibly good at something. And I don't know. I think sometimes that might be right for you, but I think it's a very personal journey. And I think you just have to lean into your inner dialogue and trust your gut. What do you think, Raina? I think, first of all, you need to ask yourself, what is your all? What is the all that you'll be happy? Like the same goes for your mindset and perception of things. When I, you know, first had my baby, when I got pregnant, I was jobless. And I wanted it all, right? My all was, I want a high-flying career. I want a business. I want to be a full-time housewife. <laughs> I want to have, you know, my social life going. I want to be a great wife, you know, everything. But then I realized that it's impossible to do so without mentally draining yourself. And it gets really tiring mentally and physically. And then you got to really like talk to yourself more like, what, what, what is your priority right now? There is always a time and place for everything. And there's always a time and place for you to succeed in something. Like just say, you, you got to turn something off to actually be really good at one. So eventually I, I spoke to myself and I said like, right now, it's not the time for me to be in a corporate world and, you know, have the flexibility to be with my kids whole day. The reason why I started the business was to have the flexibility to be at home. But that means that I wouldn't have a high-flying career or, you know, a very glamorous, like, nine-to-five job. That was when I started to shift my mindset. And then that's when I felt like I have it all right now. And I'm at a place where I'm really pleased with what I have. And I can confidently say that I have it all right now. Yeah. Oh, amazing. How about when we're juggling all these different things, so different analogy to the burners, but work, social life, your relationship with your partner, which is you want to nurture and and make sure that's growing, right, when you've got the children as well. And then you need to dip in and out of things. So 
which balls do we drop if we're thinking about it in, in terms of juggling? Have you got to the point now, Chris, where you can kind of go, oh, actually, it's okay if I let that go for now. Like, Jason can tag in, Jason, you've got the kids, I just need to focus on work. Are you more aware of that and able to kind of drop balls? Yes, I think I am a lot more aware of it and comfortable with it. So I don't make any kids' lunches. I don't attend much at school. I got a message actually while I was here from one of the soccer moms saying, I never see you at the games anymore. And I'm like, a little bit sad because I actually would like to catch up with my girlfriend at the games. But, you know, I spoke to Jason just the other day and he's watching the soccer and he's like, oh, he just got an amazing goal. And I'm like, oh, it's it's sad I didn't see that. But I, I do get enough of their soccer goals you know like I, I get to see enough but I always think what would a man do right like when men have a career and they work they don't feel guilty for not making the lunch or not being there for soccer practice during the week you know so I just think we put a whole lot on ourselves because of society and I'm just kind of trying to think about if I was a fella, I probably would be like, well, it's fine. I'm bringing in the bacon. But, you know, just to, I suppose, be kinder to ourselves that we too can have a career and and we too can feel good about our contribution and working hard and achieving things for us and for our families and not to beat yourself up too much. So I do drop a few balls. It's so true. This week, Chris and I are up here and we both actually live in Australia and both of our husbands have our children. And so many people are surprised. Like, they're like, wow, your husband's got the... And I'm like, when would... Because my husband also travels for work. No one would ever say to Mark, wow, Ange has the kids for a week. Like, it's so impressive. So, And that's one thing that, you know, can be frustrating for us. I guess there is that thing that is mum guilt. So whenever I am away from the kids, I feel guilty, even though my rational brain says there's someone there that's looking after them. And I do try and kind of think through ways in which to just make peace with the fact that they're okay, they're happy, they don't need me, and it's okay for me to be here right now. What tips do you have, Rena, for mum guilt? So this is a very, like, um, the right question at the right time because a few, well, just last month I actually had a breakdown because <laughs> I think this mum guilt was actually building inside of me and I wasn't telling anyone about it. I felt like, because I was really busy preparing for the boutique fair, and I felt like um, I wasn't really managing the household quite well. My husband was doing a lot of things. Like he was doing the laundry, he was doing cleaning. And I felt like maybe I'm not doing enough, but I wasn't telling anyone. I, I broke down one night and he was like, why don't you tell me any of this that has been in your brain, in your mind? Because this is all what you've been thinking. You need to talk to someone. And we sat, we sat down, we started to have like an actual conversation after like a few months of building up inside me. And he actually felt good. And then I realized that all the guilt that was building inside me, it was just myself. Like no one was thinking of me the way that I was thinking myself. I think a lot of times we we are very harsh on ourselves, especially with, I think it's very important to address this because there's a lot of like women entrepreneurs who, who are mom as well, who are very successful, but you don't know what's happening behind the scene. And it's very important to really give us, cut yourself some slack and really like talk to people and most importantly, have a community. So I think Launchpad is a really great platform. So actually, I have a lot of friends from Launchpad and they are also moms themselves. And, you know, to really talk to them about it. And most likely, you're in the same situation as them. And that's when you found that you're not alone. And all this guilt that you're feeling is actually very normal and you shouldn't be feeling that way. It's so true. I mean, from listening to some of the talks earlier, 
we were talking about how it can be really lonely as an entrepreneur. And my loneliest times were when I had babies in the middle of the night breastfeeding and there was no one I could talk to. Everyone's asleep. And you felt very like, wow, this is my life now, right? This I'm very alone. Any tips from you, Chris, in terms of just the mum guilt and managing it all? Yeah, I, I think if you don't have mum guilt, there's something wrong with you. So I think everyone has it. It's a bit like imposter syndrome. Like if you don't have it, then you're actually a narcissist. So accept it. It's normal. And yeah, just let it go. It's not worth it. Think about what a man would do. They're not feeling guilty. So yeah, I think just definitely try to recognize it and put it in its box for what it is and know that it's not helpful. The other big thing is to really work out how you can deliver as a really great mum that's going to make you feel good. So for me, for each kid, I, I have a special thing I do with them that's really important to them. And like my youngest, it's reading Harry Potter at night. And I'm, you know, I don't really love it, but he loves it. And on Saturday mornings, he comes in with his book and he's like, can you read me some more Harry Potter? And I'm, I'm really conscious that I'm not going to have this forever. You know, like I can see it with my other two. They've already kind of like, oh, it's not really cool to read with you. So, you know, like you don't have it for very long, but just find that special thing you do with each of your kids and just do a lot of that. And that, that really helps me feel like I've got that special bond with them. And, you know, that's, that's what I wanted from kids. You know, I wanted that love and that connection with this little being. So find that special thing and lean into it. What would you say is the biggest learning you've had on your parenting business journey? Rena, maybe we start with you. When I first heard that question, the first thing that popped into my mind was Microsoft Excel sheets. <laughs> I got really, I got pretty good at it. Like I never had the opportunity to use it and I got really good at it. But jokes aside, I think um, it's the struggle of actually finding a balance between work and life. So I have a very young family as compared to you and really like finding my place. And I think in parenthood, it's a constant learning journey. Your kids grow up and you never have like a, I don't know, like a manual to look into because every kid is different and have different needs and personality. Like what you said, um, do something different with each kid. So I'm still trying to find that. And I think that's something that is a constant learning journey. Um, for the business-wise, I think it's really just also learning because I've never done business before. This is my first time. So talking to people really helps as well. Yeah. Biggest learning, Chris. I think it's um, risk prioritization and time management. So I think it's just knowing you can't get everything done. And for me, my technique is to write it all down, like write an enormous list of everything you want to do on a page and then just pick three things that you want to get done that day and feel really great about getting those three things done. And I even find myself writing things down even if I've done them just so I can cross them out because that's my little reward. Yes, I've done it. But yeah, I think time management, prioritization and handwriting things down. There's so much chatter in your mind. I think journaling and that's something I've only just recently learnt. We did a journaling session at Launchpad this week and it was great. It was a masterclass all about how to reflect on the year that has been so that you can set yourself up to know what you need to do for the year ahead. And it was just someone giving really good journaling prompts and making you write. And she said, just keep writing. Keep writing because 
it's not the first thing that comes out. It's often the 10th thing that comes out and you're like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that until I was forced to just keep writing. So, yeah, I definitely think journaling and time management. Lovely audience. Thank you for being here today. Any questions for our panel? So when you decided to have children and the career and when you had children and career, was it the way you expected it to be and did things kind of go that way or was everything just completely different and you had to arrange yourself new? Yeah, I don't think I had a huge expectation. Oh, do you know what? I actually think I thought I would love being a mum more, but when they're little, I actually found them quite boring. So I really enjoy the kids now, but I think when they were little, I was like, oh my God, have we got to do Play-Doh again? So yeah, I think I had an expectation that I would be like, oh, I love them so much. But I was, yeah, I, I think that's kind of also why I have a career because I just need a lot of stimulus. And So I think like I have a perfect example for you. <laughs> so when I first started business in my mind, I was like, oh, this is great. You know, I sent them to daycare and then I would just work on my business and be really amazing at it. But uh, no one told me that when you send your child to daycare, you're practically just buying diseases back home. So, so they, they fall sick all the time. And then I end up just staying home, taking care of them. And so I have two daughters now and they have very different personality. The first one never, ever sleeps, never, ever naps. So when she's at home, I, I could do nothing, nothing. So I couldn't even fold the laundry. I couldn't even like cook even. But then the second one, so she's one year old now, she's lovely. I mean, the first is lovely too, but the second one just naps and she takes two hour naps, one hour nap. And within that hour, I could do so many things. So I think it's really different. You have this expectation, but it really depends on your baby's personality. And sometimes you'll just be too tired to actually do anything. And there'll be downtimes in your business for sure. If you're trying to juggle between the two, like I had a downtime for the past two months. So I'm trying to pick things up right now and I'm getting busy but you know it's always up and down it's like a roller coaster ride there's no like a straight or like there's no like a manual there's no like a exact way yeah, yeah. I think that's the hardest thing about being a mum for the first time is you're asking all your girlfriends your mother's group random people what do I do and no one has an answer that fits your baby and that was the hardest thing for me as Chris knows you know I've worked in HR I like control I like to have answers for things I like to work it all out and suddenly I had a baby and there was no manual and he didn't sleep and had reflux and I was like oh my god what am I going to do any other questions from my audience yes you know a lot of people talk about timing like especially in the corporate world you know they they wait to have children because they want to have that established and as an entrepreneur I'm sure at the beginning having both those startups is, is very hectic so my question I guess is like is timing really of essence or is that an illusion? <laughs> I actually feel like the best thing about being an entrepreneur and being a mum is that you don't have a boss and you don't have this hard, rigid start, stop and dress code and commute time and all these things. So I really loved the flexibility of being able to work when I had the, the time, like when baby was sleeping or when I really enjoyed that flexibility. I think it was perfect. And I think I said this earlier, I don't ever want to think that I'm ruling my life by work. So I always don't necessarily consider what's a good plan or what's a good strategy. I just, you want to have kids when you want to have kids. And, you know, when you've got a really good business idea, you kind of want to crack on with it before someone else does it. So I hope that answers your question. 
I think also luck plays a part because a lot of like I think business when you read business story uh, when you ask the question is it luck or is it hard work and most of them would always say it's luck as well yeah of course hard work plays a part but I think luck plays a part too we also can't always determine when we're going to do something can we we have so many friends that takes a long time to have baby dollar schedule but it's also I had my kids a little younger and so now all my girlfriends are having their babies that kind of late 30s, early 40s, and I'm so glad that's not me because it's behind me and now I'm in that phase where they're very independent and I can lean in more to work and, and take on more responsibility there, which really makes me feel fulfilled. Any final questions before we wrap up? Yes. Thank you. So back to your question about having it all. I think one of the key things is to have a good support uh, network. Why do you think it's so difficult for us women to ask for help? Great question. I think women think it's a sign of weakness, but actually it's a sign of strength. And it actually takes a lot of courage and bravery to ask for help. But I also think asking for help is a muscle. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. It's actually a lot like public speaking because you do it and then you're like, wow, that was actually better than expected. And so, yeah, I'm all about there's a term called having a beginner's mindset as an entrepreneur and it talks about always tackling everything as if you're just starting and you ask for help on everything. And I think it's a, it's a mindset that really helps you in life. And I think it's also, I suppose it's a little bit of an ego, like letting your ego go that it's okay to just ask. I can't encourage people enough to ask you know, when you join the community, we say give to the community first and then ask, right? So you don't want to come in and just ask. But once people see that you genuinely are a caring community participant, the help comes in spades. So I definitely say give first and then ask. I think you answer that really, really well. <laughs> I think more on me, I don't ask for help because perhaps more on ego. I felt like I'm a superwoman and I, I, I should be able to do everything. And that's something that I'm still trying to feed myself with. Like trying to learn how to ask for help. I think, like what you said, that should be a sign for strength and not weakness. And that's what I'm learning now. Yeah, I just got to let my ego go away. You know, the one thing I find really hard with is I constantly underestimate my ability to do it all. So I, I'm very ambitious with what I want to do. It's a bad habit, but, you know, I, I have a story that I'll share and that is when my third baby was born, I was driving into the office. He was two weeks old and he was in the back seat and I was driving in because I didn't have anyone in my company that did finance or HR and people had to get paid. So I had to go in to process payroll. I had no real choice, but a girlfriend rang me from Australia and she rang me to congratulate me for having a baby, you know, good old dear friend. She rang me and she said, oh, I'm just ringing to see how you are. Congratulations. And she said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm driving into the office. And she goes, what? He's two weeks old. And it was really interesting. I was like, oh, my God, it's such a realization that I should not be doing this. I burst into tears. I hung up on her. I couldn't, like, answer. I just had, And I pulled over and I just had a big cry on the side of the road, like, what the frig am I doing this for, you know? But it's not like it's a classic example of overestimating what you can do 
and just trying to do it all on your own and being really ambitious and aggressive to a fault that you're like, okay, now I am like crying on the side of Booker Team of Road. This is not perfect. I rang my husband and he's like, come home. And I'm like, I can't. I've got to freaking do payroll. So, you know, like you have those moments where you you hit the limit and you're like, okay, that was stupid. Don't hit the limit. You know, it's such a constant learning exercise to understand that boundaries are really a healthy thing and saying no. I just heard it today. Saying no is saying yes to something better. Love that. Any final questions before you wrap up? Yes. So I think it's partly answered already, but I find that when I was working in the corporate world and I had my job, I was good at giving stuff to other people, right? So there was a whole team. Now it's only me and I have the biggest struggle, me with all of my heads. The biggest struggle is asking help. All right. I got that answer, but also making the decision on when do I pay actual money for something? Because I heard earlier, make a big list. All right. That makes sense too. But then it is like, for what of these things do I actually scrape off the list? Do I not do right now? For what do I pay money? I find that really, really hard. Maybe because it's my own business. I don't know. But any ideas? Yeah. So I don't think it really matters which of the things you pay money for. If you can afford to outsource something, just choose Okay, I'd probably start with accounting and finance because that's easy to outsource, bookkeeping. I use a technique where I look at my list and I think what has the highest impact and the lowest cost. You can actually do this really cool exercise where you get a grid and put impact, high, low on one side and cost on the other. Get some sticky notes and put them in the corners. And anything that's in this quadrant of high impact, low cost, that's the thing you do first right? And then the second thing is high impact, high cost, right? So whatever's going to move the needle in your business to drive revenue and profit is what you should focus on first. And then if you can afford to outsource something, outsource something you hate doing yourself, that's repetitive. That's why bookkeeping is a good one because that is something easy to go. If I just have one less thing on my plate, I'll actually be better at the other things. I think we might wrap up. As everyone walks out of here today, I'm setting some high expectations for this last, what would be a key takeaway for our parents, soon-to-be parents, maybe one-day parents who are also in the startup phase of their businesses? What would be a piece of advice that you could give them? I'm very early on in my journey as compared to Christian. For me, I think it's really being proud of your achievement. You don't know what's the end journey of your business. You don't know whether you're going to be really successful. You don't know if it's going to be a failure because it happens. But I think whatever happens, the journey, you need to be proud of it and you need to celebrate it every milestone, even if it's like very tiny. I love that. Yeah. Chris? I love that too. I don't think we celebrate enough. I think we don't take the time to just think how well we've done. Yeah, I I totally love that. Okay, join Launchpad. That's my takeaway. (laughs) Always selling, always selling. No, okay, seriously. Oh, there's so much. I think we need to be kinder to ourselves and know that we're doing a great job and just to lower the the expectations of trying to do everything and I think kindness is such a great word in business because one, it's not a typical business word but I really believe if you're kind to yourself, if you're kind to your staff, if you're kind to your customers, if you're generous, 
with the people in your life. It just really delivers in spades. So be kind and generous would be my tip. Perfect. Well, thank you everyone for joining us today. Oof, that was a really big conversation. You might not have caught it on the audio, but we got a little bit teary in that. It was really some big questions that, you know, are quite confronting. And I think what we're trying to do as business owners and as mums is really ambitious. And and sometimes it's just a lot. I think some takeaways I want to share is... The first one is building a really robust support system, whether it's a supportive spouse, family or friends, or a community of entrepreneurial friends, it's just really important. And then the next one is really having clear processes and boundaries, trying to really stay organized, but commit to your boundaries and knowing that saying no now is actually a yes to something potentially better in the future. You need to feel really comfortable with that word no. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you found this episode helpful or enlightening or engaging or educational, I would just love, love, love for you to leave a review, give us a rating or share it on your socials and tag us. We'd love to know you're listening and that you're getting value. Finally, if you're interested to learn more about Launchpad and join a community of conscious entrepreneurs that are purpose-led and super supportive, come and check us out. You can go to www.thelaunchpad.group. Thanks again for tuning into Good Business. My name's Chris Edwards, and I hope that you're as inspired as I am to start or grow your own good business.